helping clients meet their financial goals and prepare for the future. Schroders actively and responsibly manages investments. The world is forever changing, and we understand the need to adapt and evolve in line with what matters most to our clients. Hello, my name's John Schaefer, and welcome to the first of a new series on the Wealth Manager podcast called What the Fang. Today we're looking at Netflix, which has been pretty resilient through the COVID-19 pandemic, with a 14 million bump to its subscriber base and a 25% boost to its Q2 sales. However, over the past few weeks, there have been downgrades among analysts who believe the stock price is overvalued and that long-term subscriber growth isn't sustainable. I spoke with Gordon McKay, who manages Janice Henderson's Global Equity Fund, which has Netflix as one of its top 10 holdings. So I wanted to talk first of all about, about the stock price. Obviously, it's it's gone up a hell of a lot over the past couple of years. Even year to date, it's up nearly 50%. And are you at all concerned that Netflix is overvalued considering the rapid growth? Yeah, so you're quite right. The shares have performed um, very well this year, up about 50%. And clearly, it has been a very favourable in- environment for the business. Um, that said, we still own Netflix um, you know, in, in the global equity funds um, that I manage. And I think when, look, when thinking about um, you know valuation, I think it's important to look at the long term prospects you know for the business and not just focus on you know what's happened near term. So I think if you look at you know those longer term opportunities for Netflix, um, you know both in terms of its addressable market, in terms of households with a broadband connection globally, ex China. Um, then it looks as though Netflix is still just just under thirty percent penetrated. Um, we think there are around six hundred and sixty million households with a broadband you know connection um, today, and of course Netflix has just over one hundred and ninety million subs. So quite a bit of opportunity on 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 the on the subscriber um, you know front. When you're talking about that, where where do you think are going to be the next adopters? So I think, I mean, you can see, you can clearly see that the highest um, level of adoption for Netflix is in its more mature and developed markets, such as North America. Um, you know, you know, where, you know, where it's around sixty-three percent, um, you know, penetrated. Um, so, international areas in general are far, uh, far less well penetrated. And we think that over time, you know, there's good good reason to think, you know, that the penetration can increase towards those more mature market market levels. Yeah, no, I understand that. But are, are you seeing any countries that are going to be the next adopters? Because, uh, you know, as you've said, the likes of North America, Western Europe, for example, have been kind of perhaps the early adopters of Netflix. So where do you think it's going to be next? Yeah, well, I think it's quite interesting because intuitively you would expect Netflix to be higher penetrated in English-speaking markets, and certainly it is in North America. But actually, if you look at the data, you can see that its penetration in LATAM um, is actually higher than it is in the EMEA region. So LATAM penetration, you know, for Netflix, if you're looking at subscribers, you know, or households with access to access to a broadband um, you know, connection. You find that in Latin America, that penetration is just slightly over forty percent, whereas in the broader EMEA region, um, which, include, which includes more developed and less developed markets, 
um, the penetration is only just over 20%. So I think the fact that you're seeing good penetration um, in non-English speaking, um, native, non-native English speaking uh, markets certainly bodes well for the, for the long-term future for Netflix. Yeah. Um, but are, are there any worries that, you know, that growth perhaps isn't that sustainable? We have had some analysts in recent weeks that have, have downgraded their ratings on Netflix. Do you think Netflix can grow over the long term? Yeah, I'm very, very hopeful and, and very constructive in terms of uh, Netflix's ability to, to grow over the long term. And it goes actually, you know, the kind of reason behind that, go beyond just, you know, household um, penetration. I think if you look at, um, you know, the typical subscription cost or the average subscriber cost as for a Netflix consumer, that ranges between 10 and $11 on average across the business, slightly higher in North America, a bit lower in international markets. And that really is a compelling, um, you know, value proposition for the consumer when compared to traditional cable and satellite television um, offerings. So, you know, for example, a typical U.S. cable TV package, um, you know, could range from, you know, $80 to maybe $120 per month. Now, it's true that that includes sport, but not all households want sport. And I think, you know, when you compare, um, you know, a Netflix subscription, um, 10 to $11, that really does represent very good value. Um, and so I think not only is there opportunity on the subscriber-based penetration side, but there's also a longer-term opportunity in pricing. I can see your argument there, but at this point, with Netflix being around for, for several years now, do you not think that anyone who would have potentially subscribed has already done so? Yeah, it's an interesting point of view, and certainly many have had that view that, you know, certainly in North America and in the US, um, you know, Netflix is most... A developed market, but that market was pretty much saturated. But interestingly, if you look at the data um, year to date in terms of what Netflix has achieved in terms of subscriber ads, actually, you know, the company has added subscribers across the board. Um, so in North America, it's added just over 5 million new subscribers, new net paid subscribers, and that's an increase of 8% over year end 2019. And that's been driven by older demographics um, coming on to coming onto the platform, you know, during that lockdown period. So, I think you know if we can see, see there's still growth in the most mature markets, then certainly feel quite quite hopeful um, that the services is, is, remains underpenetrated, you know, in, in in most of its international markets. I wanted to look a, a bit at how the COVID nineteen um, pandemic has affected the firm. Uh, I'm, I'm from from the face of it, it's it's probably been pretty good. I mean, I mean, we've seen that there's been a subscriber bump of of 14 million, and you, you said there were really healthy um, results in the US in terms of subscriber numbers. Um, but but what about the other side of it in terms of producing new content, and and, and you know how has that affected the firm? Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, the pandemic um, you know has had an impact, I and mean, clearly. You know, we've seen an acceleration in, in trends that were already in place, you know, for, for some while. Um, you know, I, I certainly have seen that on the subscriber side. But in terms of the content side, yes, I think, you know, we have seen a temporary hiatus in, in production. Um, however, Netflix has been far less affected by that than its peers. So in Netflix, 
disclosed that it has a substantial or had a substantial pipeline of content that had already been filmed and was in post-production uh, editing. Um, so here we're talking about almost all of its content or planned content for 2020 and into the early part of 2021. So that was already, um, you know, filmed and in, in post-production editing. So Netflix is somewhat fortunate in that it tends to release series, um, you know, whole series at a time rather than, you know, traditional TV whereby you know, maybe a weekly episode and therefore a shorter lead time. So Netflix has, has benefited from the kind of longer lead times that it operates with. It also has an advantage in terms of, his, you know, its historic um, you know, large collection of, you know, original content, much of which has been, you know, really not consumed and, and lost in the volume, the sheer volume of content that Netflix has has, has provided the market in, in recent years. And finally, I would say Netflix is very well positioned as a buyer in of licensed content, which it still does, you know, from the networks and studios. Um, and they, they may have a, an additional incentive um, to sell just now, because, of course, many networks rely on advertising revenue, um, and clearly that has been under some pressure, um, you know, given the, the pandemic. And, and you know, you're, you're, you're mentioning advertising revenue of other na- networks. Do you think that could be a shift for Netflix, away from the subscription-only model to, to gaining revenue via advertising? Because there must come a point where... You're, you're limited on how many new subscribers you can have. I know you did have the argument about the lack of penetration in some markets, but that they must be thinking on other revenue streams after a certain point. Well, it's certainly a theoretical opportunity for them. However, you know, management, you know, Tastings, co-founder and, and CEO, co-CEO now, you know, has really um, not encouraged um, you know, thinking that they would, you know, pursue that advertising, um, you know, re- revenue stream certainly any anytime soon. Um, so I don't believe that is planned at all. Um, and there's, you know, the, the additional the potential additional revenue is 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 obviously you know one element in in, in the consideration. However, a second element is the fact that they are really focused on providing the consumer with high quality content. And that doesn't just mean, you know, providing shows and films, you know, that are award-winning and highly rated. It also means, uh, for now at least, you know, not burdening the consumer with advertising, which, of course, if you're a subscriber on cable and uh, your traditional, um, you know, linear TV channels, then quite often um, not only are you paying a higher price, but what up to one-third, you know, the viewing time is taken up by advertising too. So I think it really does come back to, you know, really emphasising the, the high quality nature of the content that Netflix is providing consumers at a very attractive price. Netflix is currently in, in, your, in your sort of top ten um, stock picks, and, and and why is it sort of such a high position? Is it still currently around the three percent mark in your fund? Yeah, Netflix you know, remains at that level in the fund. I mean, you know, ultimately, there are a number of key investment criteria um, that we look for for any stock, any company that's going to make it you know, into the global equity portfolios um, you know, that I manage. Um, and really, Netflix you know, meets those criteria you know, very well you know, in terms of the strength of its um, you know, large you know, addressable market opportunity, which we've already touched upon. Uh, the strength of its long-term competitive advantage, which 
you know, think about the scale of Netflix, you know, in terms of the subscriber base, what it's able to fund and um, you know amortise its content base over, that really is a you know very a very strong long term competitive advantage, and hard you know to compete against. So if you can combine that with the you know the success of management, uh, high high you know, highly regarded management team led by Tastings, um, and Netflix's you know very strong you know financial profile, then. You know, really, you know, all, all the kind of key, um, you know, facets and tenets that you know, they are there, um, you know, for you know, for a stock that you know we can have high conviction in over the long term. I, I think you know you're mentioning that long term competitive advantage, and it kind of nice to move on to what you think about the competitors coming into the market. Obviously, we've got Amazon Prime, Apple released their streaming service this year. We had Disney releasing their service. We've had. You know the, the likes of Hulu, etc., that are popular in the states. What? How concerned are you about that amount of competition for Netflix? Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. There is a lot of competition from Netflix, and and it actually even goes beyond um, the names you, you've mentioned. Um, the, the company would argue that um, anything that competes for the consumer's attention, consumer's leisure downtime, is competition. Um, however, you know, if you think about, you know, uh, traditional TV and, and also those newer competitors, actually the reality is that Netflix has been keep competing against Amazon Prime, um, you know, for many, many years. And I might add YouTube, which is clearly free to the consumer. Obviously, they're advertising content there. So it's not as though Netflix has had a clear, a clear run. Um, you know, there, there has been that competition and, you know, already there in the past. Now, it's true that there are newer um, offerings coming to market, you know, Disney uh, launching the Disney Plus service um, in, in the States at the end of last year. And interestingly, the the, the survey data that I've seen actually um, showed that Netflix subscribers actually consumed more Netflix content in that final fourth quarter um, than they had before. So, you know, whilst new new um, providers are coming are, are, com- are coming on board and you know, with their offerings, I think Netflix, with its uh, dominant scale um, and really an un- unmatched breadth and depth of content, makes it very difficult, um, you know, for others to match. And I think what it does is it really, you know, I think it actually helps grow the market. But where I do think you'll see a shift is in those traditional um, you know, television um, you know, providers, the traditional cable satellite networks, where you are now seeing you know, consumers cut the cord um, or turn off their subscriptions. Uh, and those, those uh, companies are seeing their user base decline uh, 3 to 4% you know, per annum um, rate now. Do you think that Netflix being a first mover in this industry really made any difference? I think it's a combination of um, being first mover, but also, I mean, fantastic execution um, by management. I mean, if you, if you recall, um, when Netflix um, started, it was really the DVD uh, rental business by post. Um, that you know, that was the model. So, really, to have the vision, um, you know, to see how the market was going to, or to imagine how the market was going to evolve, how important. You know the, you know the provision of streaming content, you know, um, over the internet would be, and to actually execute on that, you know, both in terms of um, buying in and to be fair, you know, licensed content from from other providers, 
but also in terms of investing in its own proprietary content. I think that management execution has been absolutely critical um, you know, to the success of Netflix. Um, and I think we are now at a stage whereby you know, that user base of approaching 200 million sub- subscribers really does make it very difficult um, you know, for others to, to compete given you know, the very large base that uh, Netflix can amortise its content costs over, which others don't have. In terms of the company growing its subscriber base um, into the likes of emerging markets, etc., can they really charge the same monthly fee that they would in America or, or, or Europe? So if you take India, for example, I believe the, the monthly fee is, is marginally lower, it's, it's slightly lower. And you might think, well, how is that possible, you know, given the, the you know, differing income levels in a country like India? However, you know, if you look at urban India, um, A, you're looking at kind of wealthier or relatively wealthier um, you know, part of the population. But what you also find is that consumers in these markets share um, the subscription, um, you know, amongst more households. So one subscription can be shared, you know, between four and six households, say, and that makes the cost, you know, much more affordable um, and relative to the to the income levels. Sure, but I suppose that's not really what Netflix is aiming for. It wants to have a subscription for each of those households rather than sh- being shared about. Well, absolutely. I mean, over the long term, clearly that that will be the aspiration, and different markets will grow at different speeds. Um, but I think, you know, as we talked about earlier. Um, in terms of the penetration of households globally with a broadband connection outside China, um, Netflix is really, you know, still quite quite lowly penetrated. And don't forget that those the number of households with a broadband connection is still growing quite rapidly. Um, so we think that you know in the next five years you'll probably see that number approach around 760 million households globally that'll have a you know, broadband, um, you know, connection and, and, and make up Netflix's um, addressable market over, over that time, time frame. And, and if a lot of people lose their jobs over the next couple of months, how much is that going to impact Netflix's future revenue streams? Yep. So what you saw in the, you know, in the last recession, I mean, really there was no... Um, and if you look at you know just like TV um, you know subscription more generally, and including cable, and that, there really was no um, material negative 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 impact. This time round, I think Netflix is still coming from a lower base, um, and yes, it's possible that some consumers you know will, will decide to to give up the content, but. You know, how many really are actually going to do that? You know, are they really going to say, I'm going to cut that from, I'm going to save that 10 or $11 a month um, and I've got more time in my hands, you know, because because of the recession? I think that's perhaps less likely. And what's more likely is that you would see an acceleration in the cutting of the cord of uh, more expensive traditional TV um, viewing, you know, the satellite and then um, your cable, cable providers where there really is a kind of more, meaning, more meaningful cost. A more recent controversy with Netflix was um, them issuing promotional posters for uh, a French film that, that was showing 11-year-old girls in sort of semi-sexualised poses. And obviously the firm did, did apologise for that on social media, but do you think that's had a negative impact on the brand? 
Well, I guess clearly Netflix is a, is a you know, as, as we've discussed, is a very large, um, you know, business. I mean, it's mostly, you know, hundreds and thousands of, of titles, you know, on, on its platform. So I suppose even with the best will in the world, it's not going to get it right all the time. Um, all I can say is I'm sure senior management have taken that on board and, you know, will learn, you know, from, from, from past mistakes. Um, so... <clears throat> Hopefully, um, you know, that, that is the case. Um, and, you know, going forward, um, Netflix management will do their best um, you know, to avoid, you know, such similar situations. Well, Gordon, I really appreciate your time this afternoon. Thanks for talking to me. Not a problem. Thank you. Schroeder's is built on 200 years of experience and expertise. We partner with our clients, constructing innovative products and solutions across private assets and alternatives, solutions, mutual funds, institutional and wealth management. By combining our commitment to active management and focus on sustainability, our strategic capabilities are designed to deliver positive outcomes. With over 5,000 talented staff across 35 locations, we are able to stay close to our clients and understand their needs.